your girl DJ Pressure with Felicia's Madcap Podcast, where making a difference can apply pressure. Madcap Podcast's mission is to tell the story behind the artist, business owner, and the everyday survivor while highlighting our kids. Madcap Podcast's vision is to be a platform where artists, business owners, and survivors can connect nationwide while giving you information on the latest celebrity news, live interviews, financial tips, community updates, and events. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or TikTok, Felicia's Madcap Podcast. And you can also visit the website, www.feliciasmadcappodcast.com. Hey guys, I just want to tell y'all thank you so much for tuning in with your girl DJ Pressure. I am here with the Chryslers. I have Eva and Marshlin Chrysler, and they're going to talk about everything that they're here to fight for for our community. As you guys see the flyer, the flyer talks about a couple that is a couple efforts to change the, the paradigm. Yeah. <laughs> so we are definitely here to make sure we find out this couple's effort. I'm going to start out with the lovely, beautiful Miss Eva. How are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you doing? I'm good. You are originally from Goodman, Mississippi. Yes, that's correct. I am. Now, how did you get to Jackson? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a long story. I um, wow. I lived in. I was born and raised in Holmes County. Um, at an early age, I moved to Chicago, and I stayed in Chicago for about twenty years, off and on. And I moved to back to Mississippi, and I decided to move to Jackson, Mississippi. Yeah. Okay, so when you moved to Jackson, you kind of got stuck. <laughs> I got stuck. I got stuck because I always said I would never move to Jackson. I hated Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> but now she's fighting for Jackson, y'all, and that's what we love about it. You actually have 20 years of social service administrative yes. experience. Yes. Tell me a little bit about that. How did you get into that field? The way that I got into social service, I guess a lot of times, you know, we base our careers on things that happen to us, you know, while we were a child. So growing up, you know, I just saw a lot of things happen, a lot of um, families broken, a lot of children being mistreated. And I decided to, you know, become a social worker so that I can mend families and, you know, assess the needs of the family, bring family together, keep family together. So uh -huh. that was one of the reasons that I decided to be a social worker so that I could help people. You know, I am a people person. I love helping people. I love working with people. I love helping people reach, you know, their goals. So, okay, yeah. so I want you to kind of be a little bit more real with me, with me on that one. Okay. So when you said something that happened that kind of uh, pushed you towards that, what was the purple, uh, personal experience? The personal experience that pushed me toward that. I would say, uh, you know, in school, I see a lot of children coming to school. Um, they weren't dressed properly. Uh, some children were even abused. Uh -huh. uh, so... Seeing that, it really broke my heart because the family that I came from, I, my mother was a hardworking mom. Uh -huh. She took great care of her family and children. She made sure that we had everything that we needed. Uh -huh. uh, she wasn't abusive to us. She took very care of us, not just me, but her uh, sister children. So I was raised in, I come from a big family. So, uh -huh. yeah, so that experience there is what made me want to help. Now, the reason why I asked yeah. is because, uh, from six to twenty-one, I was a foster kid. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I actually went Crystal Springs, Jackson, Kenton. I was all over the place. So that helped change my life too. So I'm I'm happy to hear that you were a part of 
a positive change yes. in the social service because honestly i ran across uh social workers and stuff that actually threatened me wow. as a kid yeah <laughs> wow. so to hear somebody that had a heart for it yes it, it lets me know there's still some good people out there now you also help families with you know nutritional needs um you join friends of children corporation what made you make that decision to become a part of that organization okay. yeah uh pretty much most of my um, work history is related to the social service. I've mm -hmm. done social service pretty much uh, all my life. Yeah. Uh, social service administrator. I started out with Central Mississippi Incorporated. I was a social worker with them for about nine years. And then I left, um, I relocated to Jackson. That's when I relocated to Jackson. I started working with friends. Mm -hmm. And I worked with friends for about 10 years. And then after that, that's when I kind of started my own business now before we actually continue on to like your career mm -hmm. you started out educational wise being like the the person that changed the generational curse for your family you mm -hmm. were the first person mm -hmm. to get your degree yes. now that's where i can relate to you yes. i am the first person in my family to get a degree uh i could say in two generations you know like we had early dropouts. So I definitely can relate to you about that. How was accomplishing something so huge like that? How did it change who you are as a woman? When, what really changed who I am as a woman is my children. Mm -hmm. I have seven adult children. Um, I had children at an early age. I was 18 when I had my first child. Mm -hmm. And that really is what change my life and because of my children it made me want it to be a better person it made me want it to go back to college i didn't go to college when i first uh, finished high school mm -hmm. i went to college later on much later so i attended jsu i have two degrees from jsu and i'm working in it on my phd in public policy administration also from the i love jsu yeah well we want to make sure we let the people know what degrees you have. Okay. You have the professional interdisciplinary Study. studies. Mm -hmm. With I'm a minor like, in social work. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you got it all wrapped around yes, social work. Exactly. And then you have the educational technology uh, masters from JSU. Yes, that's correct. So they know you at JSU. Huh? Yeah, they know you at JSU. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she definitely loves JSU. Yeah. D.I. love, right. <laughs> And I encouraged all my children to go to JSU. Yeah, I love it. Yes. Listen, and then you got all this blue on JSU. Yeah. <laughs> represent. Well. <laughs> so tell me a little bit more about you as a person. You know, what makes you so motivated outside of your kids and just being this amazing wife? Well, what makes me so motivated is people. Um, I love people. I love helping people. I love uh, being the best that I can be and being an example mm -hmm. for people, you know, especially women, because, you know, I haven't always been married to the greatest husband in the mm -hmm. world. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I've had some, I have, I've had a bad marriage, bad relationships, and I pretty much raised my children on my own. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's what makes me tick you know makes me want to set an example for the women out there the other women out there to let them know that because you had a bad marriage or because you had a bad relationship or because you didn't finish school 
uh, in a timely manner that you should have, but you, it's not, it's okay. It's okay to start late. I started late. I went back to school. I, I may have been in my forties. I just went back to school and finished wow. college. Yeah. So I just want to say to the women out there that it's not too late. I mean, you know, because you have children and you have a family, you know, you still can go back to school. You still can finish school. You still can be all that you can be and be who you want to be, you know? So that's what makes me who I am. When the whole purpose of just highlighting who you are, because people don't understand behind the good looks, behind the titles, you are still human and you have experienced real life. And just by speaking about that, that lets us know like, Hey, She's a strong woman. Right. If she can't fight for her family, how can she fight for us? Exactly. So seeing that you have been to the bottom with your family and still believed in where you know your family stand, stood in your heart and your work, uh, your work efforts as far as trying to change what's going on here in Jackson, I believe you definitely have the work ethics and the morals and values to keep pushing forward. Yeah. So. We're going to get to some more things, but I'm going to go ahead and go to your husband. <laughs> thank you. Mr. Marshall, how are you? I'm doing well. I thank you for asking. Thank you for having us. Yes. Um, I would like for everybody to know, first of all, mm -hmm. you are running for Hines County Sheriff. Correct. And you have 30 years experience, public experience. Yes, sir. Yes, Tell us a little bit about that. Well, uh, let me just go back. First and foremost, I'm excited to be here with my wife, and uh, I just want people to know that this this was a, a faith walk that we mm -hmm. were taking and running for both offices at the same time. She's running for supervisor, and of course, I'm running for sheriff, and they complement one another. And mm -hmm. I think that people understand that both of those offices uh, are committed to the same thing, better services for the citizens of Hines County. And so I want to say with the sheriff department, uh, what I've been trying to do is, is ensure that the people of Hines County realize what the sheriff does. Right. It had been a lot of miscommunications about what a sheriff is, okay? Sure, the sheriff has law enforcement responsibility, but that's not his primary responsibility. Primary responsibility is corrections. Uh -huh. The number one job of a sheriff is the jail. Now, I'm gonna put it in perspective. You're old enough still, much younger than me, but you're old enough still to remember uh, the series Andy Griffith. Yes. And my generation, certainly my parents' generation, grew up on Andy Griffith, right? Right. And what we know about Andy Griffith in a 30 minute sitcom, he spent most of his time, if not almost all of his time, in the jail. Yeah. Because his number one responsibility was the jail. Well, that still applies today, and that's for every sheriff in America. There's 75% of the responsibility of any sheriff, sheriff's department, is the jail, mm -hmm. which is correction. Uh, my experience is in corrections, all right? So I take you back a bit, right? I didn't just get into this, right? Uh, I was called to do this. I'm going to tell you what I mean by that. When I en enlisted in the Marine Corps at the ripe old age of 18, uh, I'd already did a year at Hines Community College. I played football there, and I was a criminal justice major. Mm -hmm. Took a little break. Uh, didn't drop out. I stopped out, okay? I was a stop out, as they said, because I knew I was coming back. Mm -hmm. So I went to the Marine Corps, and I joined became an infantryman and transferred over to being a military police officer for the Marine okay. Corps. And then I went over and after I did a tour in Iraq for the uh, Persian Gulf War, I ended up transferring to the United States Army Guard, which is a National Guard. Mm -hmm. And in the National Guard here in the state of Mississippi, I was assigned to the Military Police Corps, the 112th Military Police Brigade, which main base is in Canton, Mississippi. You right. know where, uh -huh. right there on 51. 
Uh, but my first assignment was the 162nd Military Police Company in Crystal Springs, Mississippi. You know about that as well. So Crystal Springs is where my family is from, the Crystals. And so I was very excited about being assigned to my uh, family's hometown uh, as a military police officer. Um, and uh, but, but before I, yeah, with, I'm sorry, with the 112 Military Police Day, I was called to service again while I was on the Jackson City Council as a city councilman. You remember Operation Iraqi Freedom. And so that's when uh, Twin Towers got bombed. Oh, yeah. Then we went and did Shock and Awe. And then they did the first wave. So I came in on the second wave. And all of the year 2004, for 366 days, I was in Iraq. And in Iraq, I went to Fallujah. But before I went there, our responsibility uh, was at Baghdad International Airport was EPW operation. Now, I'm going to make that make sense and correlate how the experience helps me. It's EPW operation, which is uh, enemy prisoners of war. So our unit out of little old itty bitty Mississippi was responsible for housing and guarding Saddam Hussein in his deck of cards. Wow. And that's real. And that is, that's a fact. And so I was just in awe to know that a little old unit from Mississippi yeah. got that type of responsibility and now that type why, of orders. Why do you think they assign your unit? I like that question. It's because of the history of the 112th military police today. <laughs> okay. It's a rich history of service and fighting. One thing I knew when I went into 112th military police today was almost like I was going to still be on active duty mm -hmm. because anything happens in America, they're sending the MPs in. Matter of fact, the MPs right now, that same unit in Canada is down on the border right now trying to make sure they have border control. So anything dealing with law enforcement, uh, corrections, uh, military police operations, the 112 is going to be called up. And so I was excited to be a commander in that unit. I, I actually came in as a private in the Marine Corps, and I ended up retiring as a major. So you're talking about if you know the rank structure of the military, that's a huge client. And I'm only saying that to say is, like my wife said, I've always been a person who wants to achieve uh -huh. and a person who wants to be in a position that can help more people. Right, right. Like as a private, all I was concerned about is me. I was a private. And I got promoted to a uh, squad leader. And at that point, I had to take care of troops. And then that's when I went into a Persian Gulf War, got out of that by the grace of God. Then we, when I went to the uh, Iraqi Freedom, I was a captain. I was a battle captain. And we were able to bring take uh, a bunch of troops over and bring them all back. Uh, by the grace of God. So that's leadership. And that so that's what I'm definitely. that's what I'm getting to that the race that I'm in right now, Felicia, it hinges on that word leadership. Yeah. Uh leadership is doing what's uh and, and and doing what's right even when it's unpopular, right? At the end of the day, it, it matter of fact, leadership has nothing to do with popularity. It has to do with character. So what I'm telling people is is that these positions that we seek has to be the, the foremost thing you look at in the in a representative is their character. Right. Listen, yes, I, I I hate to stop you yes, preaching it. I'm just, saying, <laughs> I'm just saying. But I was just about to say the problem with election is people go by that people go by popularity. Hello. And I'm so sick of it Thank because you. there are so many people running and they get oh because I've been in the community doing police work or this, that, and the third, or, you know, whatever, that they know so many people in the community that I know they just don't vote for me. Like, we're in high school. Right. Like, you're running for prom king or queen or something. Right. Right. <laughs> you know? But what, you, what they should be going by is 
like you said, leadership, right. experience. Right. Because that's what qualifies you in the beginning. You got a lot of these people running for positions and they don't know how to do the work. Exactly. Right? They got other people behind them helping them exactly. to do right. a position that they supposed to be independently doing. Exactly. And you said that much better than I could have. And I appreciate that because one of the flaws I've seen, and I've, if you, you've mentioned, I've been in public service for 30 years. Mm -hmm. uh, and one of the flaws I've seen in politics and the political process when it comes to African-Americans is we vote on emotions. Mm -hmm. And emotions is something that changes every few minutes in this society, right? Mm -hmm. So you know most of the time when you make decisions on the motion, they don't turn out very well. When you make decisions, you have to be analytical. What analytical means is I got to do my research. I got to find out who is the better candidate based on their, what you just said, right. qualifications. Right. And what I'm saying is, and just tell you how that works. Um, in my race, it's just two of us running. Uh, we both have extensive experience in law enforcement, right? Mm -hmm. That we running around chasing down bad guys. But only one of us has 20 years of experience in administration. Uh -huh. The sheriff's job is an administrative job. Either he or she is an administrator. I mean, they must govern uh, employees. They must make sure they come up with policies and procedures. They must uh, come up with a budget. They must be able to run a department of a lot of people. And there's no sheriff's department. It just makes sense because we're the capital. We're the capital county, which is Hines County. We have the most, our largest sheriff's department state in Mississippi. Now, I'm saying that to say, just as my wife said, I've been committed to education as well. Now, my story is a little different from hers. I was the prodigal son, right? I had two great parents, uh, both educators. Uh, those who are listening and watching me right now, very familiar with my parents. My dad was a longtime dean of students at Utica Junior College, now at Hines Community College, Utica Campus. But most of the folks that look like me, that's the generation behind me, or before me, rather, they knew it as Utica Junior College. So they knew my dad. They knew my mom. She was a professor in English. God rest her soul. She's going on to be a lord. Rosia Wade Chrysler taught a lot of students. She taught her son. She taught her son to walk and talk a certain way. So when people see me, Felicia, and they see me talk a certain way and carry my certain way, I give all credit first and foremost to my God Almighty, but also to those two parents. I had two great parents. Uh, but like I said, I left home when I was 17 years old. I was that prodigal son. But that, the foundation that they built is what you see today. Right. And what I'm saying is, going back to the point we just made, is that one of the things that my parents did, and what every parent, uh, parents do, they tell their student, they, they try to go to school, get a good education, right? And so you can get a good job, right? So you go to school, what high school to get a, a, a diploma, and you go to college to get a degree. So I did that. I graduated from Provine High School, uh, top of my class. I went on uh, to go to Heinz, as I said, got a degree in criminal justice, went to D. I Love Jack State University, and got another criminal justice degree, and then stayed at uh, Jack State University, D. I Love, and got a master's in public policy and administration. I, too, am in the dissertation phase of getting my Ph.D. But here's why I'm putting education out there in this sense. As I mentioned, this is an administrative job. Right. That means you have to be very astute to the workings of the criminal justice system. A lot of people don't know this. There are three uh, pillars of the criminal justice system. You have law enforcement, judiciary, and corrections. The one that I have the most experience in, believe it or not, is corrections. Because I did 20 years with the Hines County Sheriff's Department. That is very important in this race my opponent doesn't have that they spent their entire time aside from being in office these 18 months or so at the jackson police department and of course i'm not knocking the jackson police department but the jackson police department specialty is law enforcement i got a question yeah. for you 
Let's talk about every election you ran for. Yes, ma'am. Starting with the first one, let's talk about that. Constable. I ran for Constable in 1999. At the time, I was serving as the first African-American chief of police of Utica, Mississippi. You were defeated, right? I was defeated in the runoff. There were seven of us in the race, and I was leading in the primary in the runoff. And lost, I mean, in the, won the primary and lost in the runoff. Okay, go to the second one. The reason why I'm no, asking you this is because I'm getting to a great point here. Sure, sure. Second one. Second one, I ran for city council. Mm -hmm. And I only, I got to tell a backdrop on that. Yeah, go ahead. Um, as the chief of police of Utica Police Department, mm -hmm. I was a no-nonsense chief, mm -hmm. all right? When, what I call nonsense is you calling me up talking about this person is more important than that person. Mm -hmm. Help this person, but not that person. Everybody in the justice system are equal. Lady Justice is blind. That's why she had that blindfold on. Mm -hmm. She doesn't see your pocketbook or your your value if you would in terms of money mm -hmm. your value as a human being and so when i wouldn't cater to that type of governing as a chief i was fired by the board i was hired by the as i understood it the mayor but fired by the board that's when i got my first education in politics what i learned after i got fired is is that they had a strong board weak mayor mm -hmm. so essentially i was working for six people now you can't serve two masters so you know you can't serve six. So I knew I wasn't gonna last down there very long, but I lasted a couple of years and I came back to the sheriff department. And at the time, uh, the, the story is, uh, at 2001, two of the council members had been charged and convicted for crimes. And so I ran because A, I didn't want that to happen to anybody else, what happened to me. So I wanted to make sure the law enforcement side or the police side of politics in Jackson didn't get interfered with by a council like the one I had to serve on, right? So that was my motivation. And also with that, when you when you look at it, I wanted to make sure that we reformed the um, image of black elected officials. So that was a bad stain on us. Two of the seven went to prison. Wow. So at the end of the day, I ran as a reform agent. Anybody that know me, Felicia, know that I stand on the right side of the law 150 percent of the time that's why this situation i know we'll talk about later is so comical because my reputation precedes me the reason i got ran out of utica is because i was making sure that everybody got held to the same standard now to you that may be the reason sure. but i'm getting to a point here mm -hmm. next you can go ahead and finish yeah it, right? I, yeah, yeah hold you hold your thought so going into the, sh and the city council I did that for uh, two terms, okay? Most of the time I was the council president. I was the youngest uh, elected uh, councilman for Ward 6 and the first African-American Democrat that uh, served in that position in South Jackson. This was a different South Jackson in 2001. Anybody listening and watching, I know this. And so um, I ran and the district was about 55% white and 46% Republican. So you got to know I had to have some crossover appeal and all I did was have a common message. Common theme is we're going to end corruption, right? Mm -hmm. And we're going to make sure that we have strong police and that we keep the community safe. So I could make those promises because of who I am, what my, my background was. And they really appreciate my service to my country. So mm -hmm. those things cross uh, party lines and racial lines. And so I was successful because I'll tell you how divided that community was. You had three Democrats mm -hmm. and three Republicans running, six people in the race, uh, two white. <clears throat> I mean, I'm sorry, three whites and three blacks. So you can't make this up. So that's the image of the election in 2001. And I came out and won, I won uh, in the runoff uh, for that election. So 
get into the next election. Uh, I did my uh, eight years. And at the time, we had a very turbulent administration. Now, I'm not trying to speak ill of the dead, but at the time, Frank Melton was the, uh, the mayor. And so uh, a lot of people were concerned about the direction the city was going in. Not me. They were concerned. And they asked me to run for mayor. And I did. I ran for mayor. And that was a crowded field of about 13 or 14 uh, people, maybe 17. I think everybody ran, but she. <laughs> but it was a lot of people in that race. And um, I ended up running, winning the primary there, too. And I lost to the runoff to Harvey Johnson. Okay. Um, first black mayor of the city of Jackson, former mayor of the city of Jackson. Uh, a lot of uncertainty. Uh, of course, the mayor, uh, Frank Melton, passed away on election night. So that left a lot of uncertainty <clears throat> among the electors. So it was just one of those situations. I, I, you know, I was happy to be able to run. I think I made an indelible impression on the electorate. They understood that I was prepared to hold that position. Uh, I could still get asked to run for it today. So, but I, that, that's not my calling. My calling is what I'm running for right now. But the reason why I run for these offices and the next one, let me get to the next one. Next one was, um, I want to say Senator. Uh, no, sorry. Uh, Transportation Commission. Ran for that in 2011. At the time, it, Dick Hall, God rest his soul, was the uh, commission. He had been the commission for a long time. Been in uh, office for 40 years, I think. Uh, and so he wasn't attending to Jackson. Though. Wouldn't turn the lights on on 220. People who listen to me knowing what I'm talking about. Wouldn't cut the grass on the right of ways. Wouldn't take out phone calls. I'm a council member, you know, appealing to him saying, this is the capital city. You want to take care of the capital city. So my dad taught me a long time ago, when you want to get somebody's attention in politics, put your name on the ballot. And so I put my name on the ballot and uh, end up getting 48.3% of the vote. It was so close at 10 o'clock when the nightly news came on, I was up by three points. As soon as that news came on, they flipped three points. And so that's how that went. So I did what I came to do, though, because after I lost that election, he cut the lights on me. He cut that grass. He picked up the paper. He paid 55 all the way to Byron. He, he went to work. And so I did what I came to do on that. The next one is Senator. Uh, my dear friend, going on to be with the Lord and mentor, mentor was Alice Hart. Senator Alan Hart. She was my senator the whole time I was in politics. And so she passed away. And so that, that office became vacant. And people once again came to me and said, look, we believe your legislative experience with the city council was both well in the legislature. Mm -hmm. And so I ran for senator. And again, it was a crowded field. I draw fire like that. I get it. Must mean something. Uh, so it was about eight or nine people in that race. And I went in the primary there too and I lost in the runoff. So I've always lost in the runoff other than for the city council. But I'm saying that to say, and I know you want to make a point with it, but yeah. let me make this point. I believe the reason why I lost those races is because those races were my call. I did that out of necessity. I'm doing this out of necessity. Don't get it wrong, because obviously the system is broken right now. The sheriff's department is in disarray. But, but it's not my passion. Public safety and law enforcement corrections are my passion. You know that by my educational background. You know that by my experience. Mm -hmm. Everything that I have done has led me to this point right, point right here mm -hmm. in my life. Mm -hmm. And it's in me from a spiritual perspective as well, because God has navigated me safely through these uh, uh, the trials by fire, as I call it, in law enforcement. See, I've been shot in the line of duty. I don't talk about that a lot. I say that only because that's commitment, because that happened to me before <clears throat> I even went to the police academy. So I got hired again in 1992. Um, certainly the uh, sheriff, Malcolm E. McMillan, had just got elected. He only been in office six months. He knew that I was a military police officer in the military and Marines. And he knew that I was prepared to 
go to work on day one. Uh, and the sheriff department is a little different from the police department then. I'm sure it's changed now. Uh, they could allow you to work for a little while before you go to get academy day. And so, yeah, you know, early on in my career, uh, we were serving search warrants, uh, drug search warrants, and uh, had the right house, had the right location, uh, had the right person, but we got there a little early. The shipment hadn't got there yet. And so when we served a search warrant, entered the house, uh, took one in the chest, point blank rain, wow. and prayed and did a lot of praying and was ready to go to work in the next day. And uh, they had to go do a couple of, check a few boxes with the psychologist and everything. And they were kind of concerned because I was handling so well. But see, I'm not saying I was handling so well so much because of my experience of war in the military. I was handling it so well because of the fact that I had God. Yeah. And I want to be very clear about that. Only person that got me through that was the Lord, uh, and so I say all that to say when you and I and I stayed in law enforcement. Like that usually you get hit like that in early part of your career, you get a career change. Yeah. Uh, but I stayed in it because I know that's my passion, mm -hmm. and that's the only reason why I'm telling that story. And so, because uh, I know you say you keep it real, right? Uh, and this is what keeping it real looks like. So the people know what you've been through. Uh, this hasn't been easy for me. Uh, I did everything I could to check the boxes. And I check the boxes. And the thing that I get frustrated about sometimes, when you talk about yourself, when you talk about your qualifications, you talk about your experience, you talk about your education, sometimes in our community, we take that to mean that you're bragging. Mm -hmm. You're not bragging. You are making sure you educate the public to know who is running to represent you. Mm -hmm. And that the person that's running is competent enough to do that job. And I think that's relevant. I think we need to have that conversation that, we need to understand that these jobs are far too important to get caught up in our feelings. Right. At the end of the day, you want people who can produce. See, I don't have very much personality. Some people say I do. My wife said, don't say it, you do. Well, I put it like this from a public persona. <clears throat> I present myself in this way because here's what I am. All my life, I've been in the military. I'm mm -hmm. So if you see this type of posture, I got it honest. You understand what I'm saying? I, I've been through all of that structuredness. And so, I'm going to present myself that way because we really don't have no time for shucking and jiving. We need to be talking about the issues that matter. And every time you talk to me, that's what I'm going to be talking about. I'm talking about issues that matter. Right. What are those issues that matter? I'm glad you asked. Public safety has to be the number one priority for every citizen in Hines County. How do we know that? Because we've had a 200% increase in violent crime over the last 18 months. That tells you that's not working. We also had 13 detainees walk out of two detention centers like they got the keys. Mm -hmm. This is real. This is not being messy. This is not being critical of anybody. These are the facts. But this has happened over time and time again. Yeah. Not the first, not the second, and honestly, until we get a more better change, it won't be delayed. It won't. And and, and leadership, going back, I, I, I'll go back to where I started. Leadership matters. When you have solid, strong leadership, you don't have to have exorbitant salaries in an administration. What you got to have is confidence in your leadership. Because our job, just, just like in the military, law enforcement is quasi-military. What that means is it's similar. You know that because what do they share in common? Oh, they both wear uniforms. Right. They both have rank systems. They both carry weapons. So what I'm saying to that is people in these uh, entities understand that I got to have confidence in the person that's in front of me because that person has my life in their hands. Right. Does that make sense? Right. So, so I'm just saying, and I'm, I'm very um, serious about this, and that's why I'm coming across this way, is because people's lives are at stake, but not just the people in the rank and file, 
the citizens uh, are in, at, at, at stake. And so that being said, um, I just think that one of the things that we have to be very cognizant of is the decisions we make today and certain of eight uh, life-changing experiences and so and, and, and decisions. And so uh, if the citizens of Jackson want strong law enforcement, which we needed desperately, if they want a person prepared to uh, lead an organization out of some of its darkest times, if they're, uh, they are want somebody in office who's gonna make our children first, and, and that's part of my platform, we'll talk about that later, but I'm trying to get these guns at these oh, babies' yes. hands. Oh, yeah. I've said that before and I mean it. And not only that, put the people that's putting guns in their hands in the penitentiary. Now, that 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 that's the important piece. Well, you guys, give us a little bit of time. We're gonna take a break here and we'll be right back. Hey guys, it's your girl DJ Pressure with Felicia's Madcap Podcast, where making a difference can apply pressure. Madcap Podcast's mission is to tell the story behind the artist, business owner, and the everyday survivor while highlighting our kids. Madcap Podcast vision is to be a platform where artists, business owners, and survivors can connect nationwide while giving you information on the latest celebrity news, live interviews, financial tips, community updates, and events. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or TikTok, Felicia's Madcap Podcast. And you can also visit the website, www.feliciasmadcappodcast.com. Hey y'all, thank y'all so much for staying tuned. This is such an interesting, interesting conversation. It's the first time Felicia's Madcap Podcast has had a couple, a powerful couple come in here and talk about the things that we need to change right here in our hometown, in our community. And I'm going to talk about why that I feel many times you have been defeated. And I'm going to say this. And it, it, it may, like you said, just have been because God did everything to get you where you are today. But there's other things that plays a part. But we know everything happens for a reason. One is because you are a threat. Thank you. It is. When you are a threat, yeah. the enemy mm -hmm. will do everything that he can. Working through people mm -hmm. to 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 overpower you, mm -hmm. but because they won election wise, does not mean that they won spiritually. Right. They have they they did not take the fight out of you. Right, right. right. The other thing yeah. was because we as a people that everybody is trying mm -hmm. that you're trying to fight mm -hmm. for, mm -hmm. they're not fighting for themselves. Oh, power. They're not <laughs> fighting for. They're yeah. laying up. Pow. And they they want the system to work for them, but they're right. not getting up to work the system. That go. gets to me. I know. Exactly. Me too. <laughs> All the thing you have to do is get up, take 10 minutes of your time, and vote. Yeah. But you have the time to sit back and complain. Yes. And then when you complain, now you're crying. Mm -hmm. Because now you are too lazy to put things uh in, in in the works to work for you now they're working against you mm -hmm. they're affecting your kids they're affecting you they're affecting your family members they're they're affecting your life right you can't take care of yourself you can't take care of your kids you can't go get a good job you and now when we're getting ready to talk about the 1020 bill right <laughs> people was people were still 
start to understand why this conversation, this whole interview is so important mm -hmm. because I have not seen value, and I hate to say this, but I have not seen value in other uh, interviews that I've saw or anything because, like I said, it's all been based on popularity. There's barely no experience, and the experience that they're referring to is not what I'm seeing today. Right. Thank you. So my hat goes off to you okay. and also to you, Miss Eva, because you are an example of a powerful, strong woman uh, who should be acknowledged on every level because it takes a lot. And so let's get back to uh, what you were trying to say before we took the break. Yes, ma'am. So so we were talking about the this journey that I've been on to get where I am. Uh -huh. And it's important for the citizens to recognize the fact that, as you just said so eloquently, is that when you are steadfast and focused, mm -hmm. you're going to always have detractors. Mm -hmm. People who say, I got to get you thrown off. Well, that just doesn't apply to the person that's seeking positions to help. That's also applies to the people that they're trying to help. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say that now. Uh, the distraction that we had talked about, and I don't know if it's time to get into 1020, but I will interject this in about 1020. My troubles began when I began to educate the public in 1020. Uh -huh. Now, I want people to take this in the right vein. I'm an educator, right? I teach criminal justice at Hines and Jack State University. I teach political science at Jack State University. So I have the penchant to want to teach because I know once you what? educate folks mm -hmm. they can make better decisions right. that just makes sense that's why you go to school that's why you get educated so you can make better decisions and apply what you learn in the classroom inside whatever entity or environment you're working in and so when 1020 came about uh and those who don't know 1020 1020 really speaks to two things it expands the jurisdiction of the capitol police uh to all over jackson now which is not intended i'm gonna give history of that and the other one is it adds judges, but not judges that are elected, judges that are appointed by the state of Mississippi. Mm -hmm. So we all know what the state of Mississippi looks like, and we all know what Jackson looks like, and they don't necessarily look alike. Okay, mm -hmm. so uh, that kind of system is flawed from the get go. So what I said when it came to 1020, I said this vocally, uh, this is where my trouble began. Um, I said that I don't object to the philosophy of additional law enforcement research i'm all for that we need more police i didn't argue about the philosophy of more judges we have a backlog like none other in the united states of america so we need more judges but not appointed judges and certainly not by the state of mississippi we need elected judges right. I and mean, we need we need a police department and a sheriff department that lives in the community we don't need uh transplants from our jason county i don't have a problem hiring people from outside of jackson but the super, super, super majority of the people that uh, uh, provide law enforcement and police services should be from the community. Right. It's the same thing in their area. So it shouldn't be any different from us. The other thing is the judges ought to come from my area. If I'm gonna be tried and judged by, I need to be judged by my people. Mm -hmm. I need to be judged by people that, I, that are from the same place. I'm a, that's, just, that's not a lot to ask. So I, I say all that to say the last piece is, and this is what really got me in trouble. I understand the matrix when it comes to uh, law enforcement and who has the authority in law enforcement in the county in america the top law enforcement slash chief law enforcement officer in any county is the sheriff that means whatever police agency 
whatever person that operates in law enforcement uh, arena must come to the share to talk about strategy to police the county. So what does that mean? That means Capitol Police, Jackson Police Department will both come to the Sheriff Department and have a discussion and come up with strategies to fight crime and corrections in the city of Jackson Hines County. Now, what that means is, is that Chief Bo Lucky and now Chief Wade, a different amount, both of them, I work with both of them very well. They understand that. Uh, the people don't understand that, but now they do. And now that I've educated the people, you can see how powers that be would object to me being in that position. I get it, but they don't decide who gets in this position. The people, people decide. decide. But what they tried to do in the situation that I'm in right now, they tried to muddy the water. They tried to change the mentality of the voter. That's called uh, disenfranchisement. When you are going to come in as a higher power and try to uh, confuse the, the electorate so they would go in another direction. Mm -hmm. That ain't right. And I'm going to say that out loud. And so even though I'm in the situation I'm in, as you can yeah. tell, I'm not deterred. Right. I'm not going to stop talking about it. And I'm not going to stop educating. Whatever I'm in right now, it ain't. It only gave giving me more motivation and fuel mm -hmm. to educate the public. Because now I know I've done something right. Because mm -hmm. if I hadn't, you wouldn't have came after me. I get it. But I'm okay. You know why? Because I fought for this system. I but, fought in this system. But you know, when you look in the mirror, you should be proud of yourself. I appreciate that. And the reason why I say that is because now you have put yourself in the lane of your other leaders before you. Thank you. When they went through turbulence, it's because right. they had a message. They they had a purpose. Right. And it took things like this that that that's coming out for you they they went through it too exactly yeah yeah they all went through it too exactly. so now you should be able to look yourself in the mirror and say hey you know i am a new a new generational type of leader right and you still carry those same type of care characteristics i'm sorry uh characteristics to where you believe in something and you're willing to fight no matter what it costs you because if you go down you want to go down for something right. and not nothing that's right. exactly right. right i like that and and i couldn't again couldn't say it better uh when you look at it those are some of the names you called out have always been uh people who i've looked up to admired all my life i can start with i'm just interesting enough all them start names start with him right. started with marcus garvin <laughs> all right Marshall. started with malcolm x mm -hmm. and martin luther king and mega Evers, mm -hmm. and it have to be Nelson Mandela. Uh, and I'm just telling you that I've studied my history. Uh, I know these great men uh, put they, literally their lives on the line yeah. to guide uh, their people out of turbulent times. And even though you don't know you in turbulent times, you're still in it. Right. And I don't know why we don't know. Because if you look at our communities, you see utter devastation. Right and dysfunction right. and what causes that is incompetency and voting on emotions exactly. because those two things are going to cause calamity all right they're going to cause destruction because they are geared to do that and so what we have to do is look for structure right. we have to do things that are not popular like my two threat my two main topics are accountability and collaboration right accountability is a big piece because when you hold people accountable, a lot of times it's not comfortable. But let me tell you when it makes sense to people when you do hold folks accountable, when you hold yourself accountable first. 
you said it earlier, and I believe everything you just said because it still sure speaks to me. Is that one thing I look at? Is I you talking about hold your head high, look in the mirror, and be proud? I, I'm I am, but for one reason because I know who I am and whose I am. Okay. I want to say that out loud now, and I know from whence I came. Yeah. And so because of those people who paved the way from me, those yes. those M's we talked about, yeah. my parents we talked about, I'm okay because at the end of the day, you know, when when it, when push comes to shove, the system is going to run its course. And I still have faith in the system. I have faith in the criminal justice system because I know that there's still people in the system like me who are fighting for the system. Now, our criminal justice system is not flawless, but listen, I've been all over the world in the military. I've seen a lot of countries. I've seen the criminal justice system. We still got the best. We got the best system because the, our system is of the people. It's just like the Constitution for the people, by the people, and of the people. Mm -hmm. So if the people show up and if they participate, this system works. It doesn't work when you stay yeah. at home. Yeah. And so that's the same with voting. One of the things I wish we have an even more ex expanded conversation about is the historical turnout for Jackson Hines County. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely uh, frightening. Uh, it's unacceptable. Uh, most of the time, the average is 20 to 27% of the population showing up to vote. Now, that is dismal. Now, oh, yeah. understand how that is, uh, is antithesis are, works against the uh, dem democratic norms. Democracy speaks that who, who, who rules in democracy? The majority. Right. Is 27% the majority? No. Absolutely not, nowhere near it. So, so we're not even close to 51% when it comes to turnout. Okay, but, when we talk like that, though. Mm -hmm. How, what do you think we need to do to get these people out to vote? We have already put the education out there. Mm -hmm. We've already set up the, the places. Mm -hmm. well, what else? What else can we do? You know, it's unfortunate, and I hope I don't get in trouble. I'm just being honest, and uh, we're gonna get in trouble for being honest. And I just like this, I'm gonna keep getting in trouble because I'm gonna be honest. All right. <laughs> so at the end of the day, I believe it's already happened. That's what I'm. It's just like yeah. uh, in the '60s. The reason why black people stood up and fought is because they experienced pain. Yeah. See, right now we're experiencing pain. Mm -hmm. We experience pain when we hit them potholes and tear the axles from the east side of the car. We feel pain when we go to the pump with the gas prices being high as they are. We we feel pain when we go to the pump and somebody stick a gun in our back and take our car. We feel pain when we look at how money is being squandered away and stolen from us uh, in uh, the more impoverished areas when it comes to this TANF money and it's going to the rich. Mm -hmm. We feel in pain when we look and find out that we can't even make ends meet anymore because the people, the powers that be are costing us money because they're making bad decisions. Mm -hmm. So I just think that we are suffering right now. Yeah. And I believe suffering causes people to get up, mm -hmm. get them up and change. Mm -hmm. And I believe that if I'm right, then on August the 8th, right. folks are gonna show up in droves right. and vote in this election. Because we have the we have the power. What I love about this country, we have the power every four years to make change. Everybody say, you know, I believe in term limits. Well, I don't. We already got term limits. You get four years, and then we go back to the poll. And if I would be so uh, old to ask the electorate that when you go to the polls every four years, take a grade card with you and give every one of those folks that's in the incumbency uh, on the ballot a grade. Not a grade because you like them, a grade because of what they have done, mm -hmm. their production. And if that grade is anything uh, a less than a B, mm -hmm. you probably need to do something different. Well, let's be real one minute. A lot of people 
knowledge is so important to everything we do, but I don't know why, because of social media, people starting to think that important mm -hmm. as important. Mm -hmm. um, when they go to vote, they're voting on somebody because they cousin voting on mm -hmm. and mama voting on They don't really have the knowledge and are they willing to learn? Most of the time nowadays, they're not. Right. But that's what's costing. That's what's costing us dearly. Yeah. Because it does require a level of research. And again, going back to those analytical skills. See, you talking about the Madea approach, as I call it. You know, Madea used to tell you who to vote for. Uh -huh. Madea going to tell you the right person to vote for in Madea. I'm talking about my mother. Yeah, that yeah. generation. Yeah. Because they saw the effects of not voting the right way. Uh -huh. Right. We're talking about the civil rights era. So she would tell you, you better vote for it. Vote for Kennedy. All right. Because Kennedy, as President Kennedy, was fighting for civil rights. Right. That's why you saw his picture and his brother picture and Martin Luther King picture yeah, on every black that. house in America. <laughs> because you know what? Madea understood yeah. what those men meant. Right. It got lost in translation in my generation. We didn't keep, we let technology come in and interfere with rational, rational thinking, right? Uh, because most of the things dealing with technology is fantasy. I'm just keeping it real. So they used to speak in the house or on the porch to your elders, mm -hmm. and they gave you information that was of value. And you had to sit there and take it. You right. couldn't just walk away. Right. You sat at the table, Dad, cut that TV off and listen to what I got to say right now. And I'm glad my dad did that because it educated me on it. Now we got to find a way to uh to instill that in front of the next generation. And I think technology is still our only way to get to them, but we need to be investing in more technology education. Uh, that's not destructive. And so uh, I believe in utilizing uh, technology. Uh, I happen to be in a generation that's in between uh, the word processor and uh, some of your top notch of computers. But we have to make sure we are having programs in place that can educate our people. And look, the other thing we have to do is stop speaking so ill of politics. I get so sick and tired of people saying I ain't no politician, but they running for a political office. Uh -huh. You insult me when you say that. That's like a physician said, and look, I'm going to cut you open, sew you up and everything, but I'm not a physician. It's insane. Uh, it's not the profession that's bad. It's the person in it. Mm. And so, and all of them ain't bad. You just got a bad representative. And I think we should hinge on the word representative. Representative means to represent. Yeah. You're representing somebody. So when you go down there and represent yourself, you want to represent one person. A true representative represents people. But the thing with running for different offices and it comes to these elections is that people they put on these personas right. and at public they live by so-called die by mm -hmm. but at home it's like uh, you know mm -hmm. yeah, and then a lot of times too you have to listen to what the people have to say that's running for office that's right my husband always taught me he said substance matters it uh -huh. matters what's coming out of that person's mouth because yeah. a lot of times they'll say something to make the people laugh and crack jokes, but that's all irrelevant. You got to listen to what they're saying, their platform, what they're talking about, their mm -hmm. plans, you know, to know that they know what they're talking about. And my wife so. is profoundly correct. And that's, that's the part about style or substance. Mm -hmm. People do that, what she's talking about, because they want to be stylish. Mm -hmm. They want to they wanna make an impression. Uh, but substance is, it's lasting. Okay, that means that I've done something, and that's what these races ought to be about. It ought to be about your record. Mm -hmm. So let me talk about my record for a minute, right? I've already told you what I did in the military, but even in public service and the civilian side, 
When I was on the city council from 2001 to 2009, South Jackson was flourishing. It was absolutely a joy to live in. Mm -hmm. Since 2009, I don't think anybody say that, quite frankly. And the only thing changed was leadership. leadership. Yeah. When I was at the uh, city, uh, a lot of people criticized me, and mm -hmm. I served on Tony Yarbrough as his assistant. When I came back to the city as a chief administrative officer, people criticized me because he made me the public safety commissioner. They thought he just created a job. No, he didn't. We had a long, robust, very informative educational conversation about why it's important to have somebody outside of his office looking at the public safety aspect of Jackson. You know why? Because we were in triple-digit murders in 2014. But when we left, by the works of Chief Lee Vance, late great Lee Vance, and we working in tandem together, uh, I was over the police department and I had oversight of the police department and the fire department. We reduced the murder rate down to 53 when we left in three years. Wow. That's cut the murder rate more than half. Yeah. And after that, it went back up to triple digits. You know why? Leadership. Right. And so uh, I can give you another example. When I was the uh, executive director of the Henley Young Juvenile Justice Center, when I inherited that job in January 2021, they were under two federal consent decrees. Two, I say. One of them they had been under for 12 years with the Southern Poverty Law Center. When I took over the range there, I had a meeting with my staff, made some changes on the staff, and I said, I want to be very clear about this. If you think we're going to be in this consent decree another 12 years, you need to leave out this office right now. Because I'm going to be mad if we in another 12 months. Well, I'm here to tell you in 10 months, you are out of both consent decrees. Now, that is what? Leadership. Leadership right. my, my thing that I noticed about you is that uh, when you got into things, you had a plan. That's right. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and a lot of these people are so lost, they can't create a plan. They're not organized. They're right. not trained. That's right. Uh, <laughs> and that's what you find out because obviously that's why they don't talk about a plan. They talk about themselves. They talk about their relative. They talk about the problem. They talk yeah. everything about, about a plan. Yeah. And so when you run for these offices, when you have a conversation with your official, the first question you ought to ask them is just that question. What's your plan? Yeah. What's your plan? Well, you know, what do you want to accomplish in your tenure? Well, I want to get the guns out of these kids' hands. I know if I do that, I can save lives because a lot of them not trained with a weapon. A lot of them has no a right to a weapon. And a lot of people say, well, you're not going to be able to get them guns out there. We in Mississippi. Yes, I will. Because the Constitution does not give a child a right to bear arms. It gives adults. Right. And so adults need to be held accountable when they put the guns in these kids' hands. They're doing it by design. Right. The other thing that we need to look at is we need to make sure we come up with a sound correctional system. And let me tell you what that sound correctional system looks like. I've advocated, even when I was interim chair, and I'm advocating when I get back in the office, I'm advocating that all detention services go underneath the sheriff's department. Now, you would think that that would already happen, but it's not. it's not. So right now, Raymond Detention Center is the only thing on the sheriff's problem. we got a new detention center based on my advocacy and other advocacy. I'm not thinking all the credit for that. Advocacy for a new jail. Um, we're going to have one right beside the Henley Young Juvenile Detention Center. That's why they're breaking ground in. And so with that, I'm going to bring the downtown jail underneath. the. Uh, it's under nobody right now. Mm -hmm. It's not even been operated, even though I tried to get it open. When I was set, and that's going to be a misdemeanor jail, right? So we can deal with some of this overflow at, at Raymond, right. and we can put people in jail who pull up to the stop uh, light on red, look both ways, and take off. Them people I'm looking for. Can you tell? <laughs> that's my pet peeve right there now. But anyway, that's called lawlessness, okay? Uh, and so the other one is Raymond, I mean, the uh, Henley Young Juvenile Detention Center. Right now, the Juvenile Detention Center is underneath the Board of Supervisors. To me, it's insane. The Board of Supervisors doesn't know anything about detention service. So why would they be over? They did it out of the, uh, out of, uh, I say out of haste because they got under the consent decree and they thought, well, we're going to take control of it. Well, I'm asking for the board 
to bring all detention services back under these are this is a plan that you just talked about this is my correctional <clears throat> plan okay because i understand my role if, if if my opponent which they are running around talking about law enforcement he don't understand his job the job of a sheriff is to be the head jailer i'm gonna right. say that every time i get a chance because if you focus on that one thing you probably can keep the detainees detained and that's one of the pledges that i'm making to the citizens of Hines county a basic pledge is that i will make sure that we keep the detainees detained mm -hmm. okay we're gonna take a quick break real fast here y'all Hey guys, it's your girl DJ Pressure with Felicia's Madcap Podcast, where making a difference can apply pressure. Madcap Podcast's mission is to tell the story behind the artist, business owner, and the everyday survivor while highlighting our kids. Madcap Podcast's vision is to be a platform where artists, business owners, and survivors can connect nationwide while giving you information on the latest celebrity news, live interviews, financial tips, community updates, and events. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or TikTok, Felicia's Madcap Podcast. And you can also visit the website, www.feliciasmadcappodcast.com. Okay, y'all, we are back. And I know we gave Mr. Christopher a lot of time to talk about what his goal is and things he's trying to do and things that have affected him and his leadership. We're going to get back to Miss Eva, the queen of this motion. <laughs> she is running for Hines County Supervisor District 1. And just tell us a little bit about your goals for District 1. Felicia, uh, one of the things that I wanted to do with District 1, one of the main concerns is I want to be able to uh, have better wages for the county employees. Living wages, something that they can live off of and uh, support their families with. Uh, another thing you notice, I don't know if you noticed that we had a lot of business to leave uh, the North Jackson area. Uh, so what I want to do is once I get in offices, form a BAC, a business advisory committee, where I'd be able to bring the businesses together and find out what their needs are, you know, what if they decide to leave, you know, we could sit down to the table and talk about it. What can I do to make you stay? Even new business, I want to be able to bring new businesses to the uh, district one uh, and find out, you know, what would it take for you to come in? Like if you have a business leader, say we have we had, had Sam's to leave, um, bed and bath, so many businesses Food leave workers, that area. Uh, Sam's, we had. Um, yeah, so what yeah. I want to do is replace those businesses with something similar. Um, lately, the last one I think we had leave was Marshall's. Mm -hmm. So I want to be able to replace those businesses with something similar, you know, to better serve the community. And also I want to do. Well, I wanted to ask you something about it because me i had left jackson mm -hmm. years ago around the time that you said south jackson went bad so uh and i used to live in south jackson when it was really really good but when i was in oklahoma i got a different taste of the black community and how well they work together because i've been able to find out you know about the tulsa race massacre and you know how our black people recycled their money working together and how so they were such a threat okay. when you brought up what you're trying to do you took me back there because what they did was now they have a uh a small business uh kind of organization where they bring all the black um small business together right. and try to help start them off the problem is that we got a lot of uh in-house 
like at home exactly. black business right let's right. bring them out let's let's, let's yeah. recycle the money right so with your idea it's not saying instead because you can do what it what you think is best but i definitely think that we need to highlight and bring out and then and, and endorse in you know finding funding for small business, for small business. so that they can get up going because at the end of the day this is what's gonna uh bring revenue mm -hmm. right so you know that's just you just took me back there when when you and educating people on educating people on how to run a business exactly because yeah. a lot of people start a business and then they go downhill go down because here, they don't right. know how to keep up with and that's one of the reasons why i said the bac the business advisory uh, yeah. committee so that if there are issues they are having issues we'll be able to address those issues with that committee and we will probably meet quarterly so that we you know committee on a basis where we'll be able to you know see what the problem is and mm -hmm. what can we do to make you stay uh new businesses like you say that's coming in there are a lot of small black business owners out there right here in the uh hines county and we don't have to go out to atlanta or other cities to you know get bring recruit. business mm -hmm. to recruit business to bring them into the city we and to be clear because yeah. uh, my wife said many times yes. home is that when she talks about the business advisory community, she's talking about having every aspect of business, right? right? Aspect, Large, exactly. corporate, um, small business, everybody, everybody should be at the table. Be, and that's the only way you can get feedback that you need to make good decisions. Yes. So I, that's what I've heard her say so many times. I know yeah. she well, certainly wanted to interject as well. Exactly. And also, uh, I noticed that Pocahontas and McLean, they've been added to my district as well. And one of the things I want to do for those areas, I want to do a market study uh -huh. to find out what business best fit Pocahontas, uh, work for Pocahontas yes. McLean, grocery uh -huh. stores or department stores, you know, do yeah. a market study with them, sit down to the table with them and find out what their needs are, what they want, you know. And that's one of the things when I know you mentioned a question about the, me being for the people and about the people, because when I say for the people, you know, when a lot of times we are elected to positions and we forget who put us there right and you have to keep in mind that you are there for the people so you have to do what the people needs are mm -hmm. and what i one thing that i would do not only uh form a business advisory committee but also form a committee with the uh communities that i serve to find out what their needs are i would be attending the um neighborhood, neighborhood association meetings to find sit down to the table and talk with the people to find out what their needs are what they want you know for their uh community what they think would best fit the community needs you know that sort so that's one of the things that i was what i like about you guys is that what i get is not only leadership but communication sure and you can't do it you can't talk to yourself you can't you know i mean you can but but it enables it's not you know, very like, fruitful yeah it, <laughs> it's, it's selfish you know but if you're if you're communicating with the community that's how you're for the people because you're hearing them out exactly. and you're addressing their concerns um and what the people have to understand is that whether if they like it or not you have to make the best decision long term long term exactly because a lot of people so stuck in the right now, right now yeah that they forget that you know we have to have a business mind when we're doing stuff too right. we try to have longevity of uh for kids right. You right. Know? but even talking about the kids i want to get back to mr christopher mm -hmm. um you talked about taking the you know what i'll wait on that mm -hmm. 
Go ahead, Miss Miss mm-hmm. Chris. Mm-hmm. You had something else to say. Um, you were talking about just working with Pocahontas and right working with Pocahontas and McLean. Like I said, they are new uh, added to the uh, my oh, district yeah. and. I don't want to leave them out. And I and I've been out knocking on doors and talking to the people out there and they have they've been saying that how they have been left out, you know, and I don't want to do that. I want to get out there as quick as I can and talk to the people. Another thing I want to do once I get in office is to sit down and take a look at the budget. Um, there is a lot of money that's being allocated through Hines County. And the majority of that money is going to, to public works. And I have not, since I've been in District 1, seen a public works truck in District 1. I don't even know how the trucks look, to be honest with you. So, so, so what I would do is line by line do an assessment of the budget to find out where that money is going and to make sure it's going to the right places for the people, the communities, in the communities where it needs to be. We was out in Pocahontas on yesterday and we heard people say, well, we got this drainage problem, a lot of drainage problem out there. Uh, we had someone to come out. We called for someone to come out. No one came out. So that's what I want to do. I want to do things like that the needs of the people. And you not, mentioned yesterday yeah. too, broadband. Oh yeah, broadband. broadband. They yeah. talked about uh, broadband in the community, some rural areas, in the rural areas yeah. that they've reached out to uh, the current supervisor about, and they haven't heard anything about. So I want to make sure that that's important. Yes, yeah, that's, that's important. been an issue for years. Yeah. Uh, that's and, and that should have been well. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Especially in this technology age, yeah. there's no reason why everybody should be connected by now. Right. Yeah. And so it's just been again uh, more an example of failed government and failed leadership. Yeah. Um, and I think you know it's important to note to people that my wife and I wouldn't be running for this position mm-hmm. if all was well. We know it's not. Not just we, the people the know people. it's not. Yeah. And so I think it's important that we have uh, say that out loud that. Uh, we wouldn't waste a person's time and our money uh, running for these positions again if it wasn't broken. We know that it's broken. And so I believe, as you mentioned earlier in the broadcast, uh, Felicia, it's broken because we're making decisions for, uh, for the wrong reasons. Right. Uh, and like I said, uh, I don't think my wife or I, either one of us, saying we're the only ones that can do it. Right. But we have agreed to do it. You said it earlier, you know, how frustrated you were with some of the things that you've seen thus far. We just talked about broadband. She's been in place Most years ago uh, in rural areas. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is we can sit at home and scream at the TV. I wouldn't get up and do something about it. A famous quote you've heard many, many times, and I need to learn who the author is. It says, those who show up do. Mm-hmm. Are those that do show up. Mm-hmm. And what it means is, is that you want something done, then you have to show up. And so all this system requires, the political process requires for citizens, uh, Felicia, is to show up. And, 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 and another thing, Felicia, too, I want I want to do to make sure that our roads and bridges are safe. You know, uh, I want to work with the mayor. You know, to find out. You know, there are ways maybe we could find money, uh, grants for to help fix the roads, uh, the infrastructure in Hines County, and also our right of ways. I want to make sure the right of ways are clear. We have um, what do you call them? Baby? Fragrance. Fragrance that are out uh, on the roads, and, 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 and people come to town. We have visitors and they see all that and one thing about it that i've noticed that they've always on this side of Catalan road you know they, like the, panhandlers. the panhandlers yeah. they, they 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 so they're not the, it's not the fact that they're um you know ill or anything of that sort because they know not to go on the other side of they always it. say it's a mental health you know, problem but they yeah people they know, know what side of the, uh, but you know this side 
Yeah, because yeah. you're going to stand on this side. So this is Jackson's side, but you're not going to go across the street to go across the county line, go across the street, you know, Madison's side. So they know not to do that. So. And, and that's one of the areas where our roles sort of mesh yeah. is because vagrancy, panhandling, and laundering are crime. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just are. And so at the end of the day, I'm not trying to say I'm trying to throw all panhandlers and vagrants in jail, exactly. but we got to get them off our right away, right. right? Because we we have a responsibility to the citizens and to the businesses to make sure that they are interference free. Right. And so a lot of times they're interfering with uh, traffic. They're interfering with people getting uh, feeling safe going to these businesses. Right. Uh, so there's a responsibility there. So we need to come up with a comprehensive plan between the Board of Supervisors and the Hines County Sheriff's Department, how we can keep those right of ways clear of that type of activity. Because again, obviously our uh, neighbors are doing something successful. Because right. as we've indicated, they're not over there. Know, and so it, it's no reason why it should be on the outside. So like I say, uh, I mentioned earlier, and it makes sense, and I hope I just made the point that these two positions complement one another. So it, it requires uh, us working together in order to fix these ills, social ills that we have in our community and these uh, public safety uh, issues. And so I just feel like I'm so happy that she's so uh, driven and so committed uh, to changing the trajectory of uh, what's going on. And that's why we were glad she came up with the, uh, the topic today of, of, of trying to change the paradigm because the paradigm needs to be changed right now because we are changing it right now by educating the public. Right. And that has not been done successfully, in my opinion, in a long time. Educating you, the public. You guys together right now running for different positions right. that actually need to work together is making history itself. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So once elected, man, that's crazy. The yeah. the fact behind that. So what I'm saying is is that your fight is even bigger now. Right. Because they're looking at you as a whole. Right. Right. If you thought you was going through something by yourself, right. you're definitely going to go through something now that you have somebody that's going to complement oh, what you're trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. And that's each other. Right. You right. Know? So it, it's not just going to be, you know, the people uh, that you need to support you. It's it's the people that's going to be like your enemies. You got to make you got to. Mm -hmm. You gotta work with them. You gotta, gotta work with them. You gotta make them your friends mm -hmm. now because now they're gonna find even more reason to hate you because you have your wife. Sure. Your wife have you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're not, you didn't, well, I'm gonna just say this, I'm gonna let it go. Mm -hmm. But you didn't get interviewed. No, yeah. I didn't. You didn't get interviewed, we're gonna leave them out. Mm -hmm. But it's, it lets you know. And that's that all right. That's all yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> but that lets you know that there's some kind of jealousy or sure some type of hatred or yeah. some type of threat you are yeah. absolutely that you are left out yeah. right. right only the great are left out sure. yes on their terms mm -hmm. but when it's your time to come up and show out you will show mm -hmm. out but i'm being i'm here to say is that you guys are definitely uh great people i'm gonna say my experience first experience i needed to help someone find a house and you had a house available and you broke your neck to help. So, and actually that person is living in your house right now as we speak. Yes. They're very happy, uh, was homeless and needed somewhere to stay, hardworking men. Yes. And now 
now they're doing pretty good. Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, they're they doing are. pretty good. Great tenants. Yeah. Great tenants. They're doing well. We were by yesterday and just the joy that I saw there at the home. It, it, they made a house out of a home. Mm -hmm. And I loved it. Mm -hmm. The family, the husband, the wife, the children. Mm -hmm. and, and it just brought tears to my eyes. I We sit there in the yard with them for a while and just talk to them and just enjoy the moment. You know? yeah. It's a great moment. Very happy now, to do it. Since I'm going to keep it real, I'm going yeah. to keep it all the way real with mm -hmm. you. Go ahead. Although it's been years I've been gone, I actually left the, uh, and I got a divorce. The divorce was actually from the lady who's living in your house son okay so mm -hmm. my 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 kids are actually her grandkids so oh, wow. your children in this uh they want they haven't been there in a okay. yeah okay yeah <laughs> so uh they haven't been there in a minute but uh she is dating uh the guy that they moved in your house okay. yeah so yeah so but so it was more than just you helping a friend you was helping my kids oh, future wow. granddad or however you want to yeah. <laughs> yeah. i didn't know that yeah. how you want to look at it yeah. but also second situation uh second situation my son we we're not used to the type of stuff that goes on. They're they're not used to. Right. My kids were raised in Jackson. They were raised in Oklahoma, yeah. so they're not used to the gun violence that they uh, or the stuff when it comes to bullying here back there. Although it still you know it still happens, right. but we were in a different type of neighborhood setting. So my son felt uh, bullied and felt the need to get protection because he had came across a young man who has access to guns, mm -hmm. who has showed him guns and uh, even threatened him. And so he felt like he needed to get a gun. Mm -hmm. My son actually stole a gun to, to show that he had a gun too, mm -hmm. which caused an effect where I live in situation, which actually happened for the greater good because we're, we're moving out of an apartment to a house. But I was the most scared parent because that situation happened to a domino effect y'all to where not only was my son exposed to something he had never been exposed to before and and i could have lost my son to you right. know stupidity uh my son turned around and had also the same boy when they put a gun to his head mm -hmm. and the apartment manager felt the need to address the type of parent I am instead of actually removing the child that's causing the problem. Right. So, and, and the reason why I bring this up is because I was able to call you guys and ask for guidance on what do I need to do to address this situation because the officers came out, but because they, I'm going to be honest with you, we got some sorry officers. Mm -hmm. I've heard that. Yes. We got some sorry officers, and a lot of them are rookies now, mm -hmm. and they don't even know how. They got to call somebody to see what to do. Mm -hmm. I'm used to when I was in Jackson, they knew what to do. Mm -hmm. They had experience. Right. But now we got the rookies, and then let me call my supervisor, or let me call, or, you know, this, that, and the third. And I'm like, hey, you know, what did they teach you in, in the academy, you know? If you're not sure about your job, if you that means your heart wasn't in it for right. you to take on the knowledge to or to go above and beyond to understand. When I approach a situation, 
what do I do? Because it's all common sense. So, but I just want to tell you guys, thank you because I was able to reach out and I got the right knowledge to be able to be appointed to go downtown, mm -hmm. speak to a detective, still file charges. Although the officer that came out did not allow me to file charges, mm. but I did speak to a detective and I did file charges and I did take care of the situation and I did remove my child until we're, we're moving. You know, the thing is, is that you guys were like family. I called, you answered the right. phone, you gave me Always. knowledge, yes. you prayed for me, yes. you know, all of that stuff. So I think y'all have a spiritual background, uh, uh, the, the type of skills and everything to do what you're trying to do with this community. And, and that's what people need to pay attention to. Sure. We agree. We agree wholeheartedly. And uh, it's uh, certainly podcasts and, and uh, broadcasts like yours that uh, bring uh, us to the people. Mm -hmm. And we know that it is uh, inconceivable to believe that we can reach out and touch and talk to everybody. Yeah. But so that's what technology becomes an asset. And, I want to be very clear. My wife and I um, believe in uh, accessibility. We right. believe in uh, you being able to pick up a phone and call us directly. Exactly. I, I, even when I was a city councilman, I had 37,000 constituents. Uh, I gave everybody my personal cell phone number. Mm -hmm. I intend to do the same thing as a sheriff. I believe that works. A lot of people, you get them, I, I don't get calls like that. Yeah. People are respectful yes. of your time. When they call, that means they need something. Right. And I don't want a person struggling to get in contact with me. Right. Um, I believe in that and I'm gonna continue that because that worked. Mm -hmm. Uh the reason why I was able to get reelected as a city council member, um, is by eighty six percent of the vote is because I was accessible. Uh people knew that I would not only give you my personal cell phone, I was gonna come to every meeting you had. And I didn't come just to just to be seen, because uh, it looked good, because it's like, man, my council member always here. I mean, he he probably wanna get reelected. No, I came and I added, I had some added value to me that I had information to bring them that was informative to make sure they understand where we are. And I just believe that uh, representatives, leaders should give updates mm -hmm. on what they're doing in their communities. That way you won't have to guess what I'm doing. Right. My job is to let you know, at least give you an annual report. Uh, that's why they do state of the union. That's why they do state of the cities. Uh, every official should have that type of, uh, I believe, philosophy. That we go out to our communities and make sure we uh, update the people on what we're doing. And I know she's committed to doing that. I'm certainly been doing it. Uh, I'm still uh, committed to doing it. Uh, so I think that's important. So mm -hmm. all of these sessions like this are valuable. I just wish they could go out to everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, hopefully, the those who are watching and listening can share it and certainly call and talk to uh, people uh, that they know. Because I'm telling you, I want it, I know we're about to wrap the show up. I really want to impress upon the people who are listening that August the 8th is one of the most it is yeah. that we've had in some time. I'm saying that for a reason because we are on the crust of getting in people who don't look like us, don't value us, an opportunity to take us over. And I truly believe that is not going to bode well for us. It didn't bode well for us in the in slavery. It didn't bode well for us in the civil rights movement, and it's not going to bode well for us now. We need to be the keepers of our own. We need to be our brothers' keepers. We need to uh, lean on the Bible's uh, knowledge and understanding uh, and, and certainly understand that we are God's people. But God expects us to put in works. Faith without works is dead. Yeah. And I'm on a faith walk right now. My wife is on a faith walk because we're under attack right now because of that. And that's okay. Um, I'm okay because I believe that this tribulation 
that I'm going through will be a revelation and I'll have vindication. And so I'm excited about the opportunity to serve the citizens of Hines County. But I'm um, even more excited about being involved in the criminal justice process. Uh, and court is a part of that, quite frankly. So I'm excited about the fact that I get my day in court. I want to say that I'm not running from that at all. We know that this is politics. It's the worst right. kind of politics. People know me. They know my service record. So I'm not concerned about it at all. Right. And if any of those naysayers and any of those detractors out there think this is going to deter me from representing the citizens of Hines County, they made a bad that's a bad uh, uh, gamble that they just went to. So thank you for this opportunity. Yeah. I, I, I got an idea. And tell me if this can work or not. Because we have a lot of people that, you know, either low on income, don't have cars, but want to be involved. Are we able to kind of put it out there to have some people to carpool, get these people, get a van or something mm -hmm. to get these people have a number they can call if they want to get a ride to the polls. Absolutely. You know, yes. you know I, that's something that Absolutely. ain't never really been done before. Right. Well, it's, it, was, it has been attempted to be done, and I've done it before. Uh, the problem is is our communication lines. It's getting that information out to everybody that needs to get it, right? You can put it out on Facebook. You can put it out on text messages. But if we're not sharing information with our next-door neighbor, then making sure everybody gets it. Like, once you get it, you pass it along. Uh, it doesn't get out because uh, I'm I'm trying to raise money right now to get a van, a van mm -hmm. to run people to the polls, which right. is, certainly costs money, and I don't have a problem spending it. But I, at the end of the day, I don't want to have empty vans on election day, right? We want to make sure that we go through these communities. We're gonna have bullhorns. We're gonna be GOTV is very important in this election. Okay, uh, get is. out the vote is critical, and so we need to make sure we use every medium we have to inform the folks that they have access to transportation to get to these polls. But you gotta wanna go to the polls. If you wanna go to the polls, you're gonna find a way to get there. Just like you find a way to get there anywhere. But at the end of the day, don't let rain, don't let storms, don't let, certainly don't let clouds mm -hmm. stop you from going to the polls on August 8th. Yeah, it, it's so important. Uh, I would even suggest that you get a, 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 a tent and poach it right there on that uh, 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 precinct and make sure you do overnight if you have to, that you get inside that poll on August 8th, because I'm telling you, our future depends on it. And I, and I, I don't, I'm not embellishing that, and that's not exaggeration. Uh, I'm on, I've been on the inside 30 years. I've seen this thing developing what it is now, and I know we're on a crush right now of losing control of our city and our county uh, to forces that are not don't have our best interest. And so I'm gonna keep saying that, because uh, I think it's important. Uh, but that being said, uh, I'm just glad to be on this journey. Yeah. And, and my, my wife, I know Very. you want to uh, uh, put your two cents in it as well. <laughs> well, yeah, I am. I'm I'm very happy to be on this journey. Um, uh, some people ask why, and I tell them I was just just you know we we always in the public we always helping people we we always get phone calls like yours all the time. So I told my husband I said I'm going to run for supervisor, and I'm running for supervisor so that I can have a voice, a bigger mm -hmm. voice. You know, where I could be heard for the people, be able to advocate for the people uh, and their needs. Uh, so I'm excited. I'm very excited about this. And I just want to say to the people, you know, um, listen to what the candidates have to say. Um, do research, check the background, the experience, you know, and I have the experience. I have the experience to begin work on day one. I'm retired uh, social service administrator. I'm president and CEO of Real Affordable Houses. I have two degrees from JSU, the I love. And 
I've been out there with the people. Being a social worker, I've been out there in the communities. I've been out there with the people, and that's what I do. I, I identify the needs of the people, do an assessment. You know, I do all that. So I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think you know I certainly speak for my wife and I that you know we both are retirees, uh, but we're young retirees, and so we have time to what pay our full attention to these uh, positions that we're holding. So don't worry about the thing that, you know, this is just something we're doing. Right. Uh, we need these positions in terms of income, anything like that. I want to be very clear about that. This is a passion. This is a call to service. Exactly. And we've been service providers all of our careers. That's what um, makes us so com compatible is that we have a heart for people. We have a heart to serve. Exactly. And so those are the type of people you need in uh, these positions uh, because again, the work that we are required to do and that we need to do is that important mm -hmm. that we have to put people in that have a passion for it and not in it for titles and all that kind of stuff and uh, in it for the uh, self-service. This is about selfless service uh, that we put the people before ourselves. And that's just not rhetoric. I mean, and the reason why you know that is, and I ended with this, is that as my wife said, you need to listen to the, the candidate's platform. He said, see, does it have, like she said, substance. But the other thing you need to look at, look at their record. Uh -huh. The record speaks for itself. I don't see that I tell you everything about me. Go go Google me. Go Google and go several pages over because, exactly. of course, the federal and state government have, have clouded it up right now. Yeah. And that's what they want to do. Go a few pages back. Look at my service. Look at my opponent's uh, uh, Google. I, I tell people that all the time because we Google everything else. You can find a lot about a person just by Googling. Exactly. And uh, I, again, I want to end it with this as well is that you know, I've been in this uh, business for 30 years, and it's the first accusation I've had in my career. So. Well, before we end it, we're going to touch base on that, and then we're going to end yeah. it. Uh, the situation that he's talking about, everyone, in case you don't you don't know, is the indictment by the FBI, right? Correct. Um, and you ended up having to do a $10,000 bond because of that, and it's basically bribery charges uh, and stating that selling bullets uh, mm. single bullets to somebody mm. yeah that's what that's an indictment so, like i say we she she's very cautious about speaking about the case but the indictment is <laughs> online i tell people all the time just to be clear about that uh again these uh this is a, allegedly occurred two years yeah, ago yeah. uh the bond mm. itself speaks volumes it's a ten thousand dollar unsecured bond which lets you know the low scale of this case, mm -hmm. meaning if this, if it was such a solid case, why not bring this up in 2021? I'm not even 2022, but here we are in 2023, in the middle of my election, and all of a sudden, boom, it, it, it is indicted. And then the bond would have been a lot higher. Of course it would, if it was a, a, a solid, uh, uh, outrageous case. Yeah. But that being said, I'm not trying to downplay it. I'm sim simply saying that we know what this is all about. Right. And so at the end of the day, I'm, I, that's why people still see me out here campaigning harder now than before the indictment, because I now you give me fuel to go out here and say, oh, you try to stop me. All right, right, but no, right. that's not gonna happen. Uh, so no, we don't wanna get into the entrail integrals of it, but we want the people to be aware that we're not trying to dodge, we're not trying to glaze over it. Right. It's just certain things that we cannot discuss because it's a, a pending case. Right. But that being said, and we're taking it very serious, it, yeah. as frivolous as it is, it's still a case. And so, uh, and we need to get, we, we want our day in court like yesterday. So we, we are certainly leaning Toward the advice of our attorney, and when that, that day is come, uh, I'm excited about the opportunity to go through the process. The whole point of this bringing up the, the tip of the iceberg is because we want I want the people to not be fooled just right. because you hear Thank stuff. You. Uh, 
uh, you have to know a person there you go. before you judge a person. There you go. And like you said, go back and look before all this happened, things you've done. Right. And that's why I say you're a threat. Mm -hmm. You know, so um, y'all all know we've all been in situations to where stuff, even even if it's something like something put out about you on Facebook, but you know what type of person you are. You know you didn't do that, or you know you didn't exactly. mean that, you exactly. know, whatever. So people have a tendency of just letting media mm -hmm. choose dictate. Who, you dictate, yeah, yeah. dictate yeah. who a person is. Mm -hmm. Right. But we're not gonna do that in this case. And that's why during this interview, we wanted to focus on the positivity sure. of everything that you guys have accomplished in planning to do and setting in motion already not only with yourselves but with your families and with the community so we just want to say thank you and thank you for being on the show Absolutely. thank you for thank having, you for having us, us. Yeah. very informative and uh, certainly a great interview thank you so much yes well thank you so much y'all for staying tuned in y'all have a blessed day till next time Hey guys, it's your girl DJ Pressure with Felicia's Mad Cow Podcast, where making a difference can apply pressure. Mad Cow Podcast's mission is to tell the story behind the artist, business owner, and the everyday survivor while highlighting our kids. Mad Cow Podcast's vision is to be a platform where artists, business owners, and survivors can connect nationwide while giving you information on the latest celebrity news, live interviews, financial tips, community updates, and events. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or TikTok, Felicia's Madcap Podcast. And you can also visit the website, www.feliciasmadcappodcast.com.